0: Richie Maybe on Walker. Pew. Yeah. Pew! That'll do it! That will do it! Q for Bourbon! The roof of the gold sands
1: is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Well, hello there and welcome to this very special show on Back of the Net. We are at episode 100. This podcast is being recorded live and streamed on YouTube, Twitter and Facebook, but you might be listening in the conventional way, on a Monday morning, on your way to work or whilst you're having your morning walk. But either way, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Sam Davis and we want to welcome you to the show. Now, on this programme, we're going to be mulling over our match on Saturday at Dean Court against Queen's Park Rangers with the help of not one, not two, but three podcast heroes. We'll introduce them to you shortly. Plus, We'll also be looking forward to our Whisper It Quietly Sky televised match. Yeah, the club haven't said about that. We'll talk about that later. And that's against Cardiff City on Wednesday night. So whilst you might want to be listening to the dulcet tones of Chris and Willow on AFCB TV, you equally might prefer to tune in on the box rather than be hunched over a laptop. Either way, it should be a real test for us. Now, before we bring in our guests... Should we do this? Do you remember? Do you remember? Now, one of our guests uh, tonight created that jingle and uh, I keep singing it all the time. It's always in my head and probably in yours. Now, being episode 100, We've reached a milestone here at the podcast, so we thought we'd ask a few questions, all of which represent milestones, and we'll give you the answers at the end of the show. So the questions are this, and I'll probably put these to our guests as well at some point. Which player has scored the highest number of goals in a single season for the Cherries? Which player has scored the highest number of goals in a season for the Cherries? Which player, this is an easy one, has garnered the most league appearances? Do you know that one? You probably do and also well done if you get this uh what is the record attendance at dean core you can have it to the nearest thousand and who was it against so do you know the answer to that we'll let you know at the end of the show hi this is the biggin steve fletcher and you're listening to back of the net So I'm sure some of our guests will know the answers to those. I think it's time to bring them in one by one. Firstly, the founder of Back of the Net, live from New Zealand, the one and only Sean Barker.
2: Kia ora, how are you?
1: How are you doing? Are you all right? I'm all right, although it's uh, Monday morning here. So the last
2: hour has been the frantic trying to get the kids out the house to school and preschool. uh, So I can just relax and, you know, see your face for a little while.
1: Well, Sean, I can tell you that this uh, certainly wasn't their 100th episode that we planned. As Jeff and I, we were planning to fly you across from Wellington, but coronavirus, it's got in the way, it's had its impact. It's, it's having its impact over here, but from the media reports in New Zealand, it, you seem to have dealt with it pretty well, and it's almost like back to normal, is it? Uh, yeah, pretty much.
2: Um, so we are. We had a little, little bump um, about three weeks ago where we had to kind of up our restrictions a little bit. But... Um, I mean, I, I can't fault what we've done here, what the prime minister and the team have done have been phenomenal really. And I think sometimes we take it for granted. Um, there's some people here who even have complained about what New Zealand, what we're doing at the moment, the inconvenience of having to have you know a two weeks where we couldn't order a drink at the bar. They had to come to us and they were like, wow, this is outrageous. And then it's like, we looked out the window. So we are very fortunate. We are very grateful. Um, we're sorry for what's going on around almost the rest of the world but um, take light from I guess the fact it can be done and you know uh, it's easy to get in the dark times and think things will never get back to normal we have stadiums full of fans again so no doubt it won't be long until Dean Court is rocking again
1: I certainly hope so. Right then, next, it's only fair that I bring in someone who helped with the rebirth of back of the net after the sabbatical that we had the season before last. It is Jeff Hayward. How are you, Jeff?
3: I'm pretty good, Sam. Thanks for uh, uh, being such a part of this uh, special show. It's it's a great honour and to be here with obviously Sean, who you know, Sean. Sean got me hooked on it in the first place. So you know you two on a monday morning was my ritual driving to work listening to you so thanks you know and it's a it's an honor i am not worthy
2: oh you um i i'm, I'm sure we'll talk later about memories but um and we'll, we'll do the, the kissy stuff at the moment but um uh, you two um it's been a pleasure to be able to listen um you know and and be role reversal almost Jeff. um to hear what you guys have done and keep up to date with my life got incredibly hectic with the kids and work and i um, so glad to see it kind of back in the neck resurrected and uh, yeah it's been amazing although too much telly time for Sam Jeff you need to you need to up your percentage I think
3: yeah, well, you know how vain he is, don't you, Sean? Do you yeah,
1: understand? big time, big time. Well,
2: <laughs> you said
1: uh, you said uh, <laughs> So as featured in many a podcast previously, uh, we've got one of the pundits here as well that's revered by many a YouTube viewer and a podcast listener. He is a favourite on the forums, or maybe not so much at the moment. We might uh, talk to him about that, but it is Neil Dawson here. Neil, how are you, sir?
0: I'm very good. I'm very good, Sam. Hi uh, Jeff, how are you? Yeah, not
3: too bad, Neil. Not
1: too bad. So, Jeff, um, you know you've seen Neil's match reports on the on the forum, and he's always active, but he's not on it anymore. It's a shame, isn't it?
3: I know, I know. I think I think it's like one of those Hammer horror films. He got chased out, didn't he, by people weaving pitchforks, pitchforks and uh, torches at him.
1: How are you? Um, how are you? How are you dealing with it, Neil? Are you missing it?
0: Uh No, no, not at all. No, I mean, I've done it for years and years and years. It was really lovely on s- Saturday, actually, because mat- match reports recently have been a bit miserable. So I've been toying with the idea for a little while of handing the baton on. And uh, I didn't miss not having to write about Saturday's two shots off target. And I went for a run instead. So I feel a lot healthier for... <laughs> Good,
1: good. So at this stage, I feel as though I also need to give a massive, huge mention to Michael Dunn and All Departments, a podcast which served Bournemouth fans so well over the years, many of which are still listenable on YouTube. Michael also contributed considerably to back of the net with his concise and well-written match reports. And later in the show, we'll talk about the history of the podcast, and I'm sure we'll be alluding to his input a lot more. Right, so I feel as though we need to get stuck into Queen's Park Rangers on Saturday. It was a pretty poor and leggy nil-nil, not one for the neutral and one at times we look possibly likely more to lose than win. But with the top two also dropping points, we didn't lose any ground and Cherry still sit third on the table. Um, Let's be frank, Geoff Hayward, it, it, it wasn't great, was it?
3: Well, you just said let's get stuck into QPR. I mean, geez, I wish we'd got stuck into QPR. <laughs> it was awful, absolutely awful. And um, I struggled to see where that performance came from. We were also upbeat uh, after the Coventry game, looking forward to uh, the, the the match. I mean, I had it down as a 4 0 home win, which I thought was being conservative after the way we played. And then you get that, and you think, oh, it's just like watching some of the worst stuff last season.
1: It wasn't particularly great. What was your view from over there in New Zealand, Sean?
2: Um, yeah, interesting you say that, Jeff. It did have echoes of the last season or last eighteen months, really. Um, I, it was an odd one because it's you know—obviously we've all heard lots of talk about they were they were leggy, and it's after an international break. But I don't remember that being the standard after every single um, international break. It just—it just felt odd. It felt a bit. Disjointed. I, it felt like um, we just obviously without your Jumas or without Stanislas or without Brooks' creativity in that final area. Just there just wasn't any was there really. You had Surridge and um, similar similarish kind of players, and mm. it just. I guess the only saving grace, and I think this is the thing that holds us well for the rest of the season, if we can play as poorly as that and still kind of hold our, if it was a boxing analogy, we kind of, you know, we, we're holding the boxer away and they're swinging, but they're not really hitting us. And then, um, you know, if we'd have found another 10%, I think we probably <clears> still <throat> would have won the game. That was the only positive I could really take from it.
1: So we were all very buoyed. I think, by the news that Josh King was staying, or were we? Because we don't really know how it's going to play out in terms of his performances. But, Neil Dawson, were you surprised that we still had Josh King?
0: Yes. I think, um, to me, he was even more likely to leave than Callum Wilson, had you. if you'd asked me back in uh, whenever the season finished. It's hard to remember these days. September of... Um, July, whatever it was, I, I, I always thought we'd lose um, Nathan Ake. I think we all did, um, and uh, then you could sort of form a list after that. And Josh King would have been higher up than some of the, you know, some of the ones that went. So I, I, uh, I, I'm, I, I really hope that what we need to see from him now is he's. I don't think he wants to be here, um, but he'll make all the right noises and kiss the badge and do all that sort of stuff. But he's got to get himself eight or 10 goals between now and January, because that will make him um, box seat for the inevitable Premier League clubs that are struggling to score, that are going to want to bring in a centre forward that's got a track history of scoring in the Premier League. So hopefully it will work out both for him and us. There's no point in him sulking because it won't do him any good. It's not like a Ryan Fraser situation where the season had technically finished. Um, he's you know Josh, Josh King has to do something in the next four months to get himself on everyone's mind.
1: Sean, I, I presume that, I mean, I don't quite know how it works, but, you know, the better he performs for us, the more goals he scores, the more money we'll get in January. Would that be accurate?
2: Yes. And there's also in January, as we know, because Eddie never liked the January transfer windows because he felt like in transfer rates are inflated because you have these sides, like Neil said, who are desperate for a striker. So it feels like we've taken the gamble of, you know, there there will be less players available. Ergo, we will get more money. The flip side of that is, yeah, we're gambling on how Joshua responds to this. He saw what happened with Wee Man and Wee Man's performances. Um, Having said all that, Wee Man is still in the Premier League right now and Joshua isn't. So um, it's going to be a very, very interesting few months. I think the way JT handles it without disrupting the team, because I still think, think the Fraser episode, it felt like it was just bad vibes that... Went through that side last season. And I guess it's a matter of how do we avoid that situation? And either I think within three weeks, we'll know whether he's out and he's in the reserves and he's just training ready for January, or he's going to put his all in and get those goals and get his move.
1: So, Jeff, the team lineup was exactly the same as what it was against Coventry, but it was great to see uh, some new blood on the bench in terms of Raquel May, but Stanislas being back as well. Dan Juma too. What did you think when you saw that starting lineup? It was clear that we were playing a sort of 3-5-2. Were you happy with what you saw? Yeah.
3: Well, I felt that he probably didn't have much choice um after the way the team played against Coventry, I mean, they did play excellently. So he picked the same, he picked the same lineup. Surridge paired with Solanke was probably the only area where I looked at that and thought, mm, could you not have brought Danjuma back? Cause the Danjuma Solanke uh, pairing seemed to have worked well, the the previous games. And did he, did Surridge really deserve to keep his place or should he have brought Danjuma on and played him from the start? I mean, Josh King was missing. You know, the guys talked talked uh, talked about him. Hopefully, not being another Fraser situation. Although I'm slightly alarmed that it was a dead leg that kept him out. I'm hoping that next time he's not available, it's not a sore throat that kills him. Um, because be I think that, eyelash
0: be fractured eyelash next. Well, <laughs>
3: it, you know, you talk you you talk a lot about well, what a great asset he could be. But actually, it feels like Jason and. and uh, purchase of, they've kind of moved on with the squad. You know, they I think they kind of forgot about Josh and we're playing this lineup and, and who, who does he actually replace? Would he replace Solanke or would he replace Surridge or would he replace Dan Juma? You know, it's going to be tough for him to actually fit in. I think if he is going to be available and playing hundred percent as he can do.
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, the early exchanges in the game showed that it wasn't all us. I think Osai Samuel got a shot off low that Begovic saved, once again maybe proving Tyndall right for choosing him over Travers, but I felt that we were sloppy and turgid in the early stages. Uh, uh, QPR were playing very high press and we were making a lot of mistakes. QPR was set up very well, Neil, weren't they? And they, to be fair, they gave it a good go.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mark Warburton's an experienced coach at this level. He will have he will have watched us. This is where we need to be adaptable and not slip back into what we had um, in the last two seasons, really, when we set up a certain way. And then that was the way we, we were always going to play through the game. So if people are playing three at the back, you have to, it relies on them being able to get the fullbacks out and play them as wingers. Um, if you can push those fullbacks back, then they've got five at the back and they can't threaten. And that's exactly what happened. And... Um, you know the counter to that is you've just got to be brave and even though it's counterintuitive you've got to leave fullbacks off up the pitch while other while the team are being attacked Um, and some teams have done that really well and it's always been my criticism of whenever whenever we play three at the back if ever we come up against anyone good it always ends up at five at the back and we always end up not getting out and we we had it, it happened to us a number of times last year and we've ended up with it happening to us again. But that's all Mark Warburton did. He just put the high press on and that was it. We ended up with two midfielders defending, a back five, and then three floating around up front. We couldn't get the ball to them.
2: So I guess, Neil, well, that's the
0: um, interesting part. Just,
2: just thinking about that around the wingbacks is that you've always got that dilemma with wingbacks of do you play defenders as wingbacks or do you play a more attacking-minded player? Yeah. And I think with, with Stacey and Smith, they are still defenders, so it does. Their natural inclination is going to be, "Oh, I'm going to drop back into my default position." Yeah. Whereas sometimes, when you are a little bit braver and you, you know, we've seen it work in the past. Sometimes where we've had a you winger, know, we've had a wee man playing yeah. there. Or, Jordan. Um, and, I was gonna say I went to the cup quarter yeah. final away at Stanford Bridge when he was a wing back and I think he had probably one of his best games, if not best yeah. game, I saw him have. And he was a right wing back and he did his job defensively, but you knew that his thing was always can I seize an opportunity further forward? Yeah. And I guess that's the payoff against Coventry. We were so high up the field that it they didn't really have to think about it. Whereas it, it, you're absolutely right. I think the tactics of the opposition it dictated how they set up and they went back into their, okay, I'm a fullback.
0: And the the other key thing I think is if you are going to play with wingbacks, that you're only by nature, you only got one player on the flank. So they have to be playing on their correct foot and to have, have a Smith playing at left wing back, who's your only outlet on the left hand side. And he cuts into a congested midfield every time because he's right footed. That in itself is just, is nonsensical.
3: Uh, can I also add into all of that that doesn't matter what the flipping system you play is. You've got to pass the ball to each other. Mm.
2: <laughs> totally true. Totally true.
3: And I mean, there, was, there, was a, there was just a collective kind of we've forgotten how to play football, which is actually one of our players. You pass the ball to them. And so many times we gave the ball away so easily in that first half.
1: And you've got to retain possession. And we all sing the song, Lewis Cook, he never gives the ball away. But then he gave the ball away. And then Asmir Begovic, his feet came to the rescue, Jeff. And at that stage, when he was through a goal, to be honest, I was expecting it to hit the back of the net. We were, we were fortunate. Well,
3: you know, I, I, think, I think there was a, a point in the second half where the commentator said, you know, Begovic for a throw out." should have got man of the match. I mean that just shows how terrible we were. Um but that save kept us in the game and I I think, you know, we we we, we have this sort of uh I don't know where it comes from. It's a sense of complacency. Maybe we think, oh, you know, we're just we'll just strut around and you know, we'll win the game whatever happens. And we make mistakes. Um and we we should have been a couple of goals down at half time. I thought I thought QPR with better finishing. If that's the Premier League, we're two nil down.
1: Well, it showed it when they had that low cross from their left hand side that the striker he he should have done what Solanke did against Middlesbrough, um, but he just messed it up. But it was poor execution all over, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. And 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 you know, we 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 just were too we were too passive, we were too deep, we were too slow. It was all the same problems that we had in certain games last season. We're I don't know, the, the the sense of fizz and enjoyment that we had at Coventry had completely evaporated. And I, I think that's that's a sort of bigger long-term issue with that, that group of players that they can't put in back-to-back really good performances.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, can I ask you, Sean, what you think about Dom Solanke? Because... He seems to be splitting people here. There are some people that said he did really well. He came deep. He collected the ball. Other people saying he was terrible. He's he's such an opinion splitter.
2: He is. I I think he's a very talented footballer. And I think we see moments where he has got the skill and he's got the vision and the touch. However, he hasn't got a person next to him who's sticking away 20 goals in a season. If I think if he had that person next to him, I think we would be looking at them as a collective. At the moment, it feels like we're looking to him to be the guy. And I just don't think he is that player because we're just seeing repeatedly he's doing 95% of his game, but he's not going to score you 20, 25 goals a season. But I see enough from him Hmm. to think he's a very, very good footballer. And I think he does a lot for our team. But at the moment, we're still going we're one goal in 300 appearances, you know?
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Callum Wilson wasn't overly prolific in the Premier League, albeit, yes, it's a different standard. He did score more than 20 goals in the Championship. But, you know, we did all right in the first few seasons in the Premier League. and We weren't crying out for that 20 goals a season striker. Yet, why are we this time?
2: We just think it's a matter of, But we, you know, we're still creating a lot of... Well, we're getting the ball in a lot of areas, but we're not creating chances. And when we are, we're not sticking them away, I don't think, as much as we should be. So it's, you know, when you've got players chipping in from all sorts with goals, I think it's a lot easier.
3: Yeah, I I got kind of frustrated at the number of times we got the ball into wide positions, but we seemed terrified to cross it. You know, it's that sort of perfect football that Eddie played a lot last season, where you hold on to the ball, you turn back, you bring the ball back you have the chance to cross, you bring the ball back because it's not quite perfect. And, and I think we need to we need to have more confidence about just getting the ball in the box because this is the championship. You don't need to yeah. score perfect goals. Defenders will make more mistakes. And I think the, the incisiveness from the midfield just wasn't there. And maybe that was because Lerma was tired and he wasn't playing as, as far up as he had been in the previous games. Maybe it was because we just weren't passing the ball well enough. But... We just need to take more risks.
0: The, the bizarre thing was we were under clear instructions not to cross the ball high. You could see it because uh, Rico and Stacey, every time they got the ball, they played the ball low behind the centre-halves every single time. So clearly it was something that had been worked on because it wasn't just that they were inaccurate or um, misfiring, uh, which just seemed really odd because when you got Solanke and Surridge up front, I don't think that's, that would ever be our first-choice forward line. Our first-choice forward line... Has to be Dangjuma, King, and Brooks. That that is a yeah. Premier League forward line in the Championship, and that's when you would cut the ball back. When you're playing that forward line, you would cut the ball back. But for Solanke and Surridge, who played, you know, maybe because they were the only ones available or whatever, that was a game where you had to get the ball in to their head because both of them, you know, six foot plus, good in the air strikers. It just seemed really weird but it was almost like we we didn't set up to play to the forward line that we had on the pitch. Uh,
1: how quick, you know, say we've got a fit Josh King, Neil, how f- how quickly would you be introducing him? Would you be putting him
0: in straight away? Instead of Solanke, it's straight away.
1: And so you're not worried about the, you know, the lack of confidence he might get through being dropped and he's basically our player of the future, whereas Josh King's going to be off in a few months. Would that not worry you at all?
0: No, because we've got... Uh, we've got one we've got one season, maybe two, to capitalise on parachute payments and get back in the Premier League. Yeah. So you play the best side that you've got. If 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 we were, you know, mid-table and we were three years, four years into the championship, I'd say there's no point in playing someone that isn't going to be with us long term. But we've got a slight we should have a slightly different agenda if we want to avoid drifting back to where we used to be. Um so I would get King Fit and I'd play him ahead of Solanke because he's three times the player Solanke is. Now
1: we were having a little debate off air about this. Neil Dawson, uh, international break. We've got probably more players that are off than any other club in the championship, and we did look leggy. But do you not feel as though it was because of the international break, or you know, we were just poor?
0: How many did we have that went to a, that played? Because Lerma and Surridge, them went as well. Meppen went. So yeah. So, but when you look at some of the people that looked, because sli- I wouldn't say that Lerma, Mepham, and Surridge were our worst players on the day. Hmm. So, there's um, no excuse. No. So Lewis Lewis Cook was indifferent again. It's a shame because I really like him, but he was. Um, and uh, Solanke was indifferent. So I I, I, I think it's a myth. I think um, we've. Um, I think uh, Sean said earlier we've certainly come back from international breaks and played well before. And we did many. The second half showed a bit of improvement, though,
1: when Dan Juma came on after about sixty minutes, didn't it, Sean? And uh, you kind of look at you kind of look at it in hindsight and think, why wasn't he brought on earlier? But I suppose it's very easy to do, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I presumed we were worried about fitness of some degree because I mean, it was screaming out for a Dan Juma, um, and you know, just him being on the field, he just didn't really just felt like he didn't. If he was there for ninety minutes, I think he would have scored. I think he's that much class above. There was one moment in the second half I do want to draw attention to, to though, that I thought was really, really great part of Bournemouth doing what we can do really well, which was a counter-attack. There was one moment where there was intricacy of passing, and we broke, and it ended up with Surridge out wide, and I think Lerma was running at the back, and he couldn't quite get the cross to him. But I think there was eight, nine passes, very intricate, and then we just exploded. And that gave me a lot of positives.
3: Yeah, I'd go along with that. I think, I think, I think there were there are moments. There were a couple of moments in the game where you thought that is that is what we can be like. Um, I just feel that the international duty thing is a bit of a red herring because some of the poorer players, or the players who had poorer games. I mean, I haven't seen Adam Smith have such a bad game for so long. But every time he touched the ball, he seemed to be giving it away or giving it to the opposition or just doing the wrong thing. And in fact. You you could look at a number of players who who just were off the pace, and I think it's that that kind of collective collapse from all eleven. You know, it's not just one or two that you feel could be excused because they were on international duty. It was like it affected everybody, and that's what's so bizarre. Dan Um, Dan Godwin
0: was well well off it. Yeah, well off it.
2: I just wonder how much, given the COVID situation, without the fans in the stadium, with all the protocols in place, it feels like there's a slight intensity issue across all English football that I'm watching at the moment. It's just not quite there. And I just wonder with um, the training ground, with all the restrictions in place, then you've got some of your best players have gone away, so there's less people around. I just wonder whether there's, there's just a slight, flatness, eeriness, you know, and turning up on game day, it's not the same. And I just wonder if that's a bit of a flow on.
3: Yeah, maybe.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Now, interesting question. Maybe we're
2: just trying to find excuses, right?
1: Maybe that's what we're trying to do here. There's an interesting question I want to put to you, Neil, because uh, Keith Thomas has just put that uh, Dan Juma has said in interviews that his preferred partner is Solanke. Work that
0: one out. What do you think about that? Well, I guess if he's going to play two up front, Um, so uh, if Dan Dumas is going to play as a central striker, then I imagine he would like to play with um, Solanke because they would be more of a traditional um, target focus and then mobile person running off them combination. Um, Him and Josh King would probably make the same runs. Uh, He'd probably rate rate Solanke a little bit higher than Surridge. So to me, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense.
3: Can I also say about Dan Juma? and somebody's made the point on the chat as well, offside, I mean, how many times yeah. were we in promising positions and he just doesn't look along the line? And that happened against Manchester United last season, you know, when we were 3-2 down and we had a great chance to go 3-3. Mm. And it's Dan Juma. he just gets so overexcited that he's, he can see the, the run through and the, the goal that he, he, he just forgets, you know, that actually, you've got to be onside before you make those runs. And I think that's the, that is the biggest frustration with him. I don't want to come across as overly critical, but I feel we're justified, bearing in mind that performance compared to what we saw the previous game, that we need to give the players a bit of stick because they've got to be better than that.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was it was hugely frustrating to watch. And mm. um, Stanislav came on and I thought, you know, the brief minutes that he had, he looked Pretty good, to be fair, but he didn't have enough time to open them up. And, you know, the more the game went on, it it looked as though QPR could actually win it. But thankfully, it was nil-nil. And we didn't finish off any worse in the league table in terms of, yeah, there are teams below us that have caught up, but we're still in third position. We're still the same amount of uh, points away from the top. Uh, But it's just quite disappointing to see those kind of performances. But if you look at the difference between our points garnered this campaign to the championship. I think after five games in the championship, when we won it, we had seven points. At this stage, we got eleven. All is not lost, is it, Jeff?
3: It's not lost. Um, we we are capable of. Well, we look. Come on, with with King with Brooks still at the club, we have got the best squad in that division. By our country, mile and, and I'm, I'm not just seeing things through red and black lenses. There, it's it's pretty clear. You look at opposition like QPR. I mean, they're struggling to to get loan players in. You know, they had that guy from Middlesbrough who's been kicking around for years, playing for them, and you know they they can't they can't boast players who are worth 40 million plus in their squad, and, and hardly anybody can now. So we need to we need to get a grip of this division, prove that we're the best. Every game and and performances like uh, Saturday just make you feel uh, mentally. I'm not sure the players collectively have that attitude yet.
1: This is Matt Holland and you're listening to Back of the Net. So, nil no, no, it finished.
2: And our next match is against Cardiff City on Wednesday. And later in the show, we're going to be previewing our match against the Bluebirds. But for now, let's go over our season so far and the start of JT's reign at Bournemouth. Now, um, due to streaming times, I've actually only got to watch a couple of full games. So I'm really keen to hear from you boys what your thoughts are and and what differences and evolutions you've seen from an Eddie era into an early JT era.
1: Neil Dawson, do you want (laughs) to start, actually?
2: He's done his jacket up, he's
0: ready. (laughs) <laughs> I put a jacket on I'm a bit cold. I'm a bit cold. So autumn nights are drawing in aren't they. Bonfire night's here soon so I thought I'd get get a jacket on. Um what differences have we seen? Uh well I think three at the back um is probably the main huge difference. So Eddie flirted with it um from time to time. Uh makes you wonder if maybe it was a Jason initiative. Um so I think three at the back is is the probably the major change uh that we've seen. Uh, I um I'm I'm sort of in the same camp as Jeff. I think there's a danger here that we can talk about the championship like the last time we were in it when we felt a little bit fortunate to be in it and we had a lot of journeyman pros. Um I think now uh our, you know we the, the squad that we got is absolutely outstanding. And when you see it on paper against most teams, I think Coventry was probably the biggest example that we saw of that. And then when you saw it on grass as well the difference is 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 so extreme. Um That while well, the points totals good, Um you can't argue with the points. So I never really get too wrapped up in points. I'm more interested in performances. When you support a team like Bournemouth for years, um, you know you're not in it to win stuff. It, you, what what you like to see is does the team perform better than their collective ability? Yes or no? And for years with Eddie, we far outperformed what the the ability of the players. Uh, and then better players came in, and it kind of caught up with us a bit. And then the last sort of year and a half has been the first time we've underperformed the, the ability of our players. And so far, I'm not convinced that we've performed to our ability other than in the Coventry match this season.
3: Yeah, I'd go along with that. I think the, the fluidity of the football, the flexibility of the system seems better. We just seem less rigid than we were under Eddie. And I also think it's interesting. I mean, John Amos makes a, a good point on the chat that some of the... Players who were perhaps out in the cold, Begovic number one. I did not see him coming back and being the regular starting goalkeeper. So there's obviously a different kind of attitude to some of the players who were out in the cold. Um, uh, maybe, maybe you know that will make it easier to to get Josh King back in the in the eleven and and playing for the team. And maybe there will be you know, fewer fallouts with, with players. Um, I, I hope so, because I think we all need to be together. And, and one one challenge we have that um, is going to be different is the relentlessness of the season. We've talked about this before, but we are coming into a real run of big fixtures, you know, midweek, Saturday, midweek, Saturday, midweek, Saturday. Players have got to be bitter than they perhaps were last season. And just... Just play for each other and be more together as a squad, perhaps, than they were last season. That's what I want to see. Uh,
1: personally, from my point of view, I was I was relatively OK with the with the appointment of JT. Um, I think some parts of the, our game have evolved slightly, but performances like that make me feel as though, you know, maybe we haven't moved on as much as we should, because in the day we should have been beating QPR quite convincingly it wasn't like a premier league match where you know a win would be a bonus we you know we really should have done a number on them uh, in terms of the in terms of the quality of the squad the you know the disparity with the values of the squad as well i think it's it's effectively too early to judge at this stage i think that there are a few very good signs, but there are the old Bournemouth ways that we certainly seem to have that always come back and um, haunt us. I think, you know, we are evolving slightly, but uh, yeah, it is too early. And like Jeff says, I think it would be good to have this conversation in seven games time or six games time as it is now, because we've got a run now of a number of matches within the next like 20 or so games and uh, sorry, days. And that's where I think it's going to be really, really tricky for us with our squad depth as well. I mean, that, yes, we've got people like Raquel May and uh, Josh King who, who sort of might be back. But we've seen it before where we get one or two players having knocks and then we're thinking, OK, we're looking at like Jaden Anthony on the bench or something like that. And that's the situation what, what we could be in. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation to have in about three weeks time. And I think then perhaps we'll know more about it.
2: Uh, Neil what's your thoughts in terms of us defensively one of the criticisms of Eddie's Eddie's teams over the years was you know there was long periods where it just like we could just concede for fun but hey we were going to score I mean so far we've only what conceded four league goals how Mm. much of that do you think is us being a little bit more solid or are we putting a large part that down to championship quality you make a mistake you don't always get punished
0: I think it's a combination of all of those things. Um, Certainly, there's been many, many times where whoever I've been watching the game with, we've said if that was Harry Kane, we were 1-0 down. Um, So, I think you've got that to to take into account. I think the other thing is is that we're still playing fairly defensively. I guess I I didn't make that point first time when you asked me the question. The, The one difference I was really hoping to see was... Eddie clearly sacrificed attacking in our last uh, year and a half um, and moved to counter-attacking style of football, not the Bournemouth sort of dominating a possession and overlapping fullbacks and um, overloads that we played before. And the one thing I was really hoping for now that we're back in the championship was to have a bit more fun and to really play high up the pitch, do overloads, etc. That's why I'm a bit disappointed with three at the back um, because you don't get the two players on the wing. And, um, uh, so I think because we are forming a very solid base and then tr- looking to counter-attack from it, we, we're back in that position where we're conceding less goals, but we're not looking like scoring at times. So I think Norwich, if it hadn't been for Dan Juma's won the goal, that would have been nil-nil. Yesterday was nil-nil. I mean, I just think, come on, we're in the Championship. Let's have a bit of fun. Interesting. So, Jeff, I'm going to
2: direct this at you. comment from Keith Thomas, who uh, he wants to pour a little bit of cold water but are we starting to sound like entitled Premier League fans? He's very uncomfortable with saying we should be smashing the league.
3: Well, I, I just, I just feel, um, like I say, you know, I when, yeah, we're born with fans, but actually, we all see a lot of football. We all watch a lot of football, and the Championship this season does look a little bit weak. You know, Leeds have gone up, and they had a, they had a really competitive squad. I haven't seen in all the championship football I've seen this season anything that is terrifying for us. Mm. The, what what I think the 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 big issue is it's you know I don't want to sound arrogant. It's 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 about the attitude that we have as a group when we go onto that that pitch and that mindset when it when it's like it was at Middlesbrough, which is oh, uh, you know, we're superstars and we can win this game. All we do do, do is just turn up and the goal will come and all the, the goals will come and we'll win. You know, that is very dangerous in this division. What we need to have is the attitude we had against Norwich, the attitude we had against Coventry, where it was almost like, yeah, we're going to show, we're going to dominate this team, we're going to prove how much better we are than them and win the game because this is a challenge. And I think that needs to be the attitude for... Well, every game, obviously, if it's difficult to do, we just got to have that for more games. And and games like Middlesbrough, games like QPR, I'd hate for us to look back on the end of the season and think, you know what, we were four points short of automatic promotion because we put in performances like we do occasionally against sites like that. And I think that's that's the risk. I don't think it's arrogance. I think you I mean you you look at that squad. You think we've got we've got we've got players coming back from international breaks. You know, like. Colombia and you mm. know it's it's like we've got quality players in our team that yeah. no one else really has.
0: We've we've got no entitlement. We've got no entitlement as Bournemouth fans. We never we never have had. You, all you can do is judge what's going out on the pitch. So there's no there's no arrogance as in we've got a divine right to be in the Premier League. I would still think any season where we're not where we're above mid table in League One, we're doing doing well for my yeah. bloody history of watching this stuff, so <laughs> it's not an entitlement but when you have got, I mean potentially we've got a Danish central midfielder, a Colombian central midfielder, a Dutch winger because Dan Juma's got caps and boy wonder Dave Brooks, David Brooks on the right wing you cannot say that that is not a side that should be taking teams apart at this level in the way Newcastle did when they were, when they came down and kept a great side in, in years gone by but that's not entitlement, I think that's just judging what you've got on the pitch
3: this is tommy alphick and you're listening to back of the net
0: right so before we go on to our cardiff
1: city preview i think we should briefly talk about the podcast because it is well it's episode 100 we'll talk about where we've come from where we plan to go because the very first episode of the pod it happened on february the 18th 2016 and uh Sean Barker, it was an idea that you had, wasn't it? Because whilst the Excellent All Departments podcast was putting out some excellent in-depth content discussing each and every Cherry's match, we, we wanted to offer something a bit different, didn't we?
2: Yeah, and it was kind of, we could see the fan base of Bournemouth was growing and we were starting to see, particularly on Twitter, you're starting to see fans like Patrick Devitt and Chase in the States who are, they really just started to fall in love with this club and they wanted to learn more. And I think, I remember we had a chat, Sam, where we were really conscious of, you know, there was a there were so many stories to tell about this, this great club of ours. And like Neil said, we've been through some really, really dark periods and the times of, you know, I think we finished 17th, it felt like 10 years in a row in division three, you know, and it was just, if we didn't go down, it was kind of okay. And so, yeah, this seed of um, thought kind of began. And then I thought, well, I'm going to need somebody on the ground because obviously being in New Zealand, it's, you know, it's pretty hard to try and do everything from there. And my old mate, my old striking partner, Sam, came up and
3: (laughs) um,
2: it, it was it was about how do we tell these stories? And that really was the
1: where it all began. It was, and we made it a magazine-led programme with features such as Do You Remember, which has still stood the test of time, the individual supporters' profiles, the Cherry's News section which you put together, the the online review where I wrote a monologue of fans' written opinions on Twitter and the forums, and do you even remember, Sean, we dedicated an entire episode on a search for Frank Rowling?
2: We did, (laughs) and we did... And we found Frank Rowling. That was the, uh, we, we were him so one of the low points uh, in
1: France, I think, wasn't he? <laughs> He's, um, he was running some kind of sports academy of some kind. But yeah, we, we eventually found him because we just had this conversation one day where we were talking about the old times, talking about the players that we really felt. Didn't quite make it for Bournemouth, and it was that lack of a Wembley appearance that I, I swear mm-hmm. for him, he must be having nightmares even to this day because he deserved to be playing in that match. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He scored in nearly every round leading up into it. He, he scored mm-hmm. the goal that got us there, all, mm-hmm. albeit we lost three two on the night to Walsall. It was enough to take us through. And yeah, that was that was an interesting show. And Sean, we even did t shirts. What were we thinking? We did. I know. And we
2: saw a t shirt. We saw a back of the t the back of the neck t shirt once made it onto the uh, Sky Sports as well, which was quite quite impressive. I I mean, I guess from, from my perspective, just looking back at some of those early shows, I think we kicked off with my favourite player of all time, which was Steve Jones, an interview with Jonesy, which kind of was really great to talk through the original Great Escape. Because again, when we first got into the Premier League, there was lots of footage over Eddie's reign, quite deservedly, because there was a huge period you just wouldn't even want to cover but the stories that Jonesy told was fantastic and then I think when we did the the big interview with um with the big and Steve Fletcher who I think I talked to him for it it must have been near on an hour and a half and we went from his beginnings at Hartley Pool, which is I remember when he first turned up and all the way through but for me the moment we got and I don't think he'd ever really talked about it was was where he explained how he sat in the um office with Eddie and Fletch said to him, "I want to play in the championship. I want a one-year contract." And Eddie told him no. And Fletch was—they were both crying. And it was—it was his honesty in that period for me was quite powerful because he hadn't really talked about that much. So it was those things I think early on that definitely, um, yeah, it was some great, yeah, kickstarts really.
1: Yeah, agree. And going back to what we were talking about, Frank Rowling, Tom Jordan uh, says that he he didn't play due to a certain Eddie Howe coming back in. Not not sure if I recognise the name. Uh, maybe it was justified in the wrong right? right term. Not sure. I think I think he did okay. But yeah, it's um it's been an interesting ride. And doing a podcast, I've got to say it's quite a commitment and We've always prided ourselves on doing all sorts of different content, like the under-18s, the ladies' side. Um, We featured content on our overseas supporters. And all these uh, podcasts are available to listen to back on your podcast app or afcbpodcast.com. And Sean's feature on overseas supporters was absolutely fantastic because it showed you the passion that people all over the world had Mm -hmm. for the cherries. Now, whilst the audio podcast has been stripped down a bit, the YouTube channel now takes responsibility for most of that stuff. But Sean, um we did try to do some video early on, didn't we? Putting a few videos out, but it, it didn't really work out, did it? I mean during the one one of the first videos you recorded, you were rudely interrupted by a dog, weren't you?
2: Can you tell <laughs> tell me you're about to play this footage? Do you still have the footage?
1: No, I haven't got it. I haven't got it. I'll hunt it in.
2: Yeah, done? we were doing a promo this is when, this is before the, the professionalism of jeff got involved <laughs> and yeah it, it took me about f- 15 edits to try and do an outdoor uh, link and yeah a dog decided to you know do its little bit of business but yeah jimmy quirk still got
3: that
2: i guess from my perspective i mean i just want to um use the platform just to say one sam davis phenomenal work to begin it to see it through and then mm. Jeff to come on board when there was a bit of a lull and me and Sam, were well, we were just burnt out really, to be honest, there was nothing else around and I and mean, it was a lot of work and Jeff coming on board, revitalizing it and then getting people like Neil and like Tom and others um, to see it, how it has now become to a stage where Sky Sports are regularly, you know, using us as a source,
1: you know, what? It's bizarre. It- it is bizarre and yeah like you say family life got in the way and we wound it down and I got an email from Jeff Hayward who you thought it was worthy of picking it up again I mean Jeff what was the thinking behind that at the time were you missing well
3: it? I did miss it because you you went an entire season and and it's still you know it's going to be when we come to write the history of the podcast um Sean it's going to be the missing year you know what happened in that year um <laughs> because you like were high over yeah, well yeah you were my ritual on a monday morning listening to you and then suddenly you weren't there anymore and it was like what what, what's going on? And, um, we, we got a little bit of money, Jeff, and
2: I think we, uh, we went and maxed out the uh, back of the net credit card, which I think you're still paying off, I think. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. so what I, I just, I just thought, and I also I think, you know, we are, or we were the most underreported club in the Premier League and, you know, it's, it's where do you go for quality stuff about Bournemouth and, and it was you two guys were the were the the key bit of information for me so I thought yeah you know I've got to just uh, do everything I can to persuade Sam to to come out of retirement you know so, park the park the yacht in pool harbour Sam come on so, you can do it mate
1: so we had a meeting at Mark Bennett's in Ashley Cross we had a coffee and we discussed it and I said well to be honest Jeff it just took so much time in putting it together but then 2 weeks later i'm doing youtube stuff as well i don't know what <laughs> happened and i think yeah. you know the whole youtube philosophy was making the show more accessible to people because i think podcast it's like an investment it's a it's a commitment for people to listen to whereas youtube you can dip in and out and from the well, I'll I tell you what, we had a few tag along subscribers when we first did the YouTube stuff that I uh, name checked on Twitter today, including Gail Hope. Thank you, Gail. She's in chat. Nobby Dog. Um, Rob Troik as well. Uh, Matthew Barker, to name but a few. Um, it's gone all right, hasn't it, Jeff? So since the reincarnation, what what have been your highlights so far? I mean, my I high- think I know. I think I know.
3: Yeah, well, can I mention Topless Willow again? Because, I mean, I still I still close highlight. my eyes and I've got that... Image burned into my memory somehow. I can't shake it off sometimes. Uh, Harry Redknapp and his uh, his dog licking its bits behind uh behind him when he were interviewing. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I mean that. I mean I tell you what, actually, um, some of the ex players that we've talked to. I mean, get number one getting hold of Matt Ritchie's phone number and then ringing him up and he actually answered and said, "Yeah, I'll oh, come on." I mean that that sort of it. It's special. It's special, and uh, yeah, I never thought that those sorts of moments would be ours, and that we'd end up talking to so many great legends of the mm. club. Tommy Heffernan saying he'd break Ryan Fraser's leg is something I'll never forget either. Mm. And
1: you know, I'm I'm the self-proclaimed techie person, I suppose. And Jeff's the organizer, and he has he's been he's been the one to help us get some big names. And Neil, you chatted to a few legends during our interview series. Anyone anyone stand out for you?
0: I think Tommy Heffernan was. I mean, Harry Redknapp was the was the was the most famous one that we did, wasn't he? So um, certainly, you know, when uh, my friends and stuff like that, well, they were just so excited that Harry Redknapp was coming on the, on the show. <clears throat> but if you were to leave out what people have achieved in the game, the Tommy um, the Tommy Heffernan interview was just comedy gold, and it was also a really great insight into. You know, footballers were very, very ordinary in ordinary people in the in the sort of eighties, and I, so I really enjoyed that one. I really enjoyed um Ian Bishop. I thought he was similarly comedy gold, uh, as well as as well as a club legend. And it was also great um, Milton Graham. That was really interesting hearing about racism in the eighties and how that affected him. So I mean, there was. It was just uh it was an honor to be a part of those uh, interviews, it really was, and, and to talk to, to people. But but yeah, Tommy Effernan, is um that you know, that that's a podcast that could go against any podcast ever, I think.
3: I,
1: I watched think, that I, clip again I think, today. I had to watch you? that little that little ten second clip about Ryan Fraser. Yeah.
3: Oh that's yeah. etched
1: that's etched in the memory. Gorgeous. That's great.
3: Oh, well I was gonna say I think also, you know. We we forget that what the club is about. You know, this is a club built on the community, and one of the best things for me has been the way that we we've had this flipping pandemic. Nobody's been able to go to a game, let alone you know talk to people about about the game. But this podcast, the YouTube channel, everything we're doing, it's been great to engage with fans, talk to them on social media, get people involved who who maybe hadn't even thought of a period on a podcast before. And I think that to me is what this club is all about. You know, forget, it's not about, it's not about us. It's about everybody getting involved and contributing. And I think it's been fantastic.
1: Yeah, it really is. So here we are at episode 100. Well, it's called episode 100. We've actually done more because myself and Sean, uh, we create the first episode called Not the First Episode. I think we did a 5.5 as well. And then we also did some Euro (laughs) podcasts as well. But it's episode 100 what of the future well firstly doing what we do it's taking more time than ever before and Sometimes sometimes we do look at ourselves and think, why why the hell do we do it? Um, If you're able to support us with a coffee, um, it would be much appreciated. Um, I'll pop the link at the bottom in a minute. Thank you to everyone that's done so before, um, because it helps us to pay the fees for our YouTube streaming platform that this is uh, being broadcast on now, the subscription for our graphics software, the uh, hosting provider for the podcast, equipment such as mics, decent cameras, lighting, a whole lot more besides, and also travel costs for when I'm going over to Canford Magna to film absolutely nothing new. But anyway,
0: <laughs> so, yeah, no new developments. I like well, those ones, Sam. I, like, I, like, it, I love it. it I, love, I love nothing more than fields of grass and mud just waving around.
1: But I, I need to um learn the Latin names of plants just to sound that little bit
0: more intelligent, but
1: it was nice to hear Jordan Clark name check us on on Radio Silent and on AFCB TV uh, on Saturday as well. Now, um, I even uh, invested in a 4G dongle actually, so we could get our match interviews out uh, quicker um, after we film them outside the ground, but that's not been put to use yet. But we'd obviously like to go the sponsorship route to avoid us having to ask. And if you're a company and you're watching this and you're interested, well, do send us an email to hello at afcbpodcast.com or just get in touch with myself or Jeff, because in time, you know, that might happen. And Jeff, we're in a we're in a good place to expand as a podcast and YouTube channel, aren't we?
3: Yeah, we we uh, you know we've we we get we get regular calls from the media to comment. You know, when we've got seismic things happening, as we had this season. Um, and I, I I you know I I don't think um, we would have imagined getting name checked on Sky Sports or you know, getting called up by. The BBC or Five Live, you know. And in fact, I'll tell you one of the other highlights I had was actually doing that fan-off with uh, on Robbie Savage's show a few few months ago, um, because there's nothing better than taking the Mickey out of that long-haired uh, former Manchester United player.
1: That's a good way to say dickhead, Jeff. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, it's Cardiff City, and that's on Wednesday.
0: Bonjour, my name is Frank Rowling and you're listening Back of the Net.
1: Now, this season in the league, Cardiff have not had the same outcome in consecutive games. They're a team that sits 12th in the division with seven points from five games. In our last match at the Cardiff City Stadium, we lost 2-0 there. It was a very emotionally charged atmosphere after the death of Emiliano Salah. Now, under Neil Harris at the moment, they've got impressive away form recently uh, on Saturday with a 1-0 win over Preston. But at home, they're not quite firing. Now, Jeff... One of the first podcasts that we recorded together was entitled My God, That Guy is Talented regarding Harry Wilson, who they Mm. have recently signed. Alas, perhaps his dead ball promise was slightly more of note than anything else on the football pitch. But I'm sure that he'll be a player that's uh, looking to get one over us. eh? Yeah,
3: well, hopefully Neil Harris plays him on the right wing, which will neutralise his effectiveness. Um, Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's. Written in the flipping script, it is going to score a, a belter from just outside the box in the last minute to win that game for the one nil, isn't it? But hopefully not. I mean, I, I think overall as a team, I think we we should uh, be thinking this is going to be a tough game. Uh, we should be thinking we've got a point to prove after the way we performed on Saturday. I'm I'm sure the the coaching team will give the the, the lads a, a bit of a rocket. Uh, So we should be motivated and we might have a couple of players back. Uh, Stanislas might be in the starting lineup. There might be, you know, Josh King might be on the bench. Brooks might be on the bench. We might have a bit of a stronger team. I expect Dan Juma and um, Solanke probably to start or maybe Dan Juma and King to start.
1: One of the things that uh, Kurt Tovey, who's a regular on the podcast, uh, very analytical, he's he's been christened Gary Neville um, for his for some of his opinions, and he says, you know, sometimes it feels like Jason Tindall doesn't play the formation uh, that warrants the opposition that we play, and he says that he felt the three five two. Uh, at the weekend against QPR was perhaps the wrong formation to play. And he didn't just say that in hindsight. If you check the preview video, he said that before kickoff. So mm. he stuck to his guns on that. And he said, ironically, in the uh, pro in the post-match free-for-all, that actually against Cardiff, the 3-5-2 probably would work better. Um, what are your thoughts on how we should be playing it against Cardiff, Neil? Uh,
0: I think we should go... I, mean, I, I just think our the players that we've got lend themselves more naturally to a 4-3-3. Um, the problem that we've got is we've collected a number of decent defenders. So it's who do you leave out? And I think, unfortunately, you've got to leave one of Smith or Stacey out because you've got to play uh, Rico uh, on the left, delivering left wing crosses. So, uh, and this is a problem. Last year, we could never bite the bullet. So we ended up playing Smith there instead of Rico. And then we looked better when Rico played towards the last few games. Um, so we've got we've got that issue that we that we haven't resolved so I'd like us to once and for all resolve that issue have a back four I think lerma um cook and or one of Gosling or billing um play much better in a in a three and that would give them the three and then I think if you we've got we've got quality out wide it'd be it danjuma Stanislas, brooks whoever plays uh, and I think so therefore we we need to get we need to get wide with them and then just push Lerma up into the box for the crosses coming in or Gosling as well, whoever's there. And I just think that it, it, it's, this, to me, it's screamingly obvious that that's the formation that we should play. So that's, that's what I would like us to, to do against Cardiff. The other thing I'm really looking forward to in the Cardiff game is when we can see the free kick on the edge of the box the fight between Lee Tomlin and Harry Wilson as to who's going to take that free kick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, that'd be fun. Everyone, Everyone's going on and on and on about Harry Wilson's free kick ability, but Lee Tomlin scored a number of superb free kicks for Cardiff last year. And you can bet your life that if it suits a right-footed player, Harry Wilson's not getting anywhere near it.
1: Lee Tomlin will certainly be hungrier, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> Martin Martin Young is a uh, Cardiff City fan, and I chatted to him actually about an hour ago. And he said to me, I think in all honesty, uh, in terms of this season, we started poorly um, and we've taken a bit of last season's form into this season. Since then, Neil Harris has started to shake the squad and he seems to be backed more importantly, by the club as well. Some promising signings have come in and some strange outgoings, he says. Callum Patterson was a fan's favourite, uh, so that didn't go, go down too well when he left. Uh, Mendes Lang left the, cup, the club immediately with his contract terminated. Etheridge was also sold cheap. Um, in hindsight, he says... It was obvious that Harris inherited an ageing, unbalanced, high-wage squad and was making rooms for the likes of Harry Wilson, Benkovic, etc. There does seem to be a small buzz back for the fans, but they can't seem to put their form into action at the Cardiff City Stadium. Um, should, we, should we go around and do some predictions? Shall we? Uh, Jeff?
3: uh I'm going to say hangover, not over, and we'll draw one-one, and it will be Tomlin or Wilson that scores against us in the game. There you go.
1: Oh, Sean Salvatori, what are you thinking? Four-two, uh, Neil Young, thirty-yard screamer.
3: Oh no, no sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> they used to be no every week. No. That was always the that was always the pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, think we will come out firing, and I think it will be three one. I think that uh, I so. Wilson or Tomlin will score. And um, no, I just think if we can, I agree with Neil. I think if Dan Juman comes in, I'd actually be okay with us playing the same formation and same lineup, but just having that extra bit of creativity up there with Salaki. Um, so yeah, that's three one.
0: Neil, I think we're going to win one nil. I think we'll if we don't change the way we play, we're going to become a side that's more effective away from home than at home. And I think we're defensively solid, and it will suit us not to have to attack and then to counter attack. So one nil.
1: Okay, and I'm going to finish off with a two one. I think Bournemouth are going to get a two one. And uh, like I said on an earlier uh, video and for anyone on the podcast, it's gonna be very difficult to provide previews over the next uh, spell of Games because we're gonna be constantly rotating, matches coming thick and fast, and I'm sure there's gonna be injuries aside. So uh, make sure you keep an eye on the YouTube channel because we'll try to do what we can in terms of the matches that are coming up. Now, remember, at the start of the show, we did this. So I'm going to put the questions to the panel. Three questions. They're all about records as we've reached our record episode 100. Um, which player scored the highest number of goals in a season for the Cherries? This, this is one that Neil Dawson will know, surely.
0: It's got to be Ted McDougall, hasn't it? And it was it 42 in... 42. In all right, league Google. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. 42 in League and Cup. And
1: was it 31? Me? You know what? I don't know the breakdown, but you're, you know what? You're probably right. And I tell you what, congratulations for that. Yeah, Neil, you've got that absolutely spot on, and a number of people who are watching this live as well also got the correct answer as well. Jeff, do you know what the record attendance was at Dean Court to the so, to the nearest thousand, and who uh, is it against?
3: So uh, the biggest biggest attendance I ever was in was we were playing Bolton Wanderers, who were league leaders at the time in Division. Three South, I think, it must have been, and there was eighteen thousand there. Um, but I think it would probably be the, one of the cup ties, which would be the Manchester United game. Was that in the fifties? I think it was. It was twenty odd thousand. I can't remember the exact number, but it was. It was huge.
1: Go on, try to you know, try to predict uh, to the
3: nearest. Oh uh, uh, gosh, everyone squeezed in like sardines. Twenty five thousand.
1: Twenty-seven, wasn't it? Uh, it was twenty-eight thousand seven hundred and ninety-nine. Oh, and correctly, it was against Manchester United, Um FA Cup sixth round, second of March, nineteen fifty-seven. We lost two-one on that. So, um it fair play. Thinner,
0: then. <laughs> they must have, been. they <laughs> must have been. I've been in that ground, so I'm not. I don't go back as far as 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 Jeff. Uh, the, I think Middlesbrough was my record one. The um, title going for the title in eighty-six, and I think. There was four, uh, something like fourteen or fifteen officially, but they reckon unofficially was eighteen or nineteen because they just opened the gates, and that was just that was almost like you couldn't breathe territory. So how on earth they got double that in is just. I I recall it was the same
2: with the Great Escape with the Shrewsbury game. I know that was another one that the uh, the ten stars were just opened, and I don't know. I heard rumours of eighteen being in there that night. Wow.
1: Yeah, I remember. God, that night was absolutely superb. Wow, amazing! Do you know what I remember about
0: that night? Sorry, yeah. we're, we're Go going, going off on tangents now. can I do tangents, Sam, or we? we <laughs> you could do tangents. <laughs> it's our one hundredth episode;
1: anything goes.
0: The thing I remember about that night is those were in the days but was for younger fans listening. That you know they'll the, probably find this hard to believe, but there were no tickets, were there? So you had to get there early to get a good spot. And to get in and to guarantee that you got in, yourself into the ground. So the ground was full at half six. And it, for all the big games back in the sort of 70s and 80s, the ground was full because you had to get, that was the only way you could guarantee you got in was to be one of the first people to get there. Yeah. And I remember the first players running out to do that sort of, not the proper warm up, but the sort of preamble. The first couple of players that walked out the tunnel got a standing ovation from about 11, 12,000 people, and you could just do- see <laughs> the absolute horror, <laughs> horror the, face, but the ground, the same George Best um, debut was the same, where the ground was full uh, an hour and a half before kickoff.
1: Uh, Neil, <laughs> you know what? That's I don't think that's going off on a tangent and that's very professional of you. It's not like you, you know, it's not like you maybe got up and looked, had to look out the window to see a girl walking past or maybe <laughs> even had dinner halfway through. <laughs> because. As a professional, you wouldn't do that, right? No, the, the, honestly, no. the, stories, the stories we've had. Um, one of the <laughs> players that um, did play at the Old Dean Court could be the answer for this one, which I'm going to give to Sean. Which player has garnered the most league appearances for AFC Bournemouth? Oh, you've thrown
2: me, a, a, hopefully, a very simple one here with the big one.
1: Yeah. Do you know how many? It was,
2: well, it was seven, what was he? 720 odd, but did that include cup games? So, was his league appearances? Well, we used to get knocked out in the first round all the
0: time, so that's only like 12 extra games, right? So, it was Sean Adriscal, wasn't it? I remember him him passing Sean Adriscal's record, which was. That's right, yes. Yeah.
2: How many is he, he ahead he? of 690s, is he? Uh, that, was, that was my guess. Oh, Jessica was in the 690s. Would that be right, Sammy?
3: I, you know, okay. I need John
1: Sharkey here. CFAX would answer that. I haven't got the stats to hand, but we'll, we'll have to Google it. And uh, we, will, we will maybe reveal all as a teaser, a carrot dangler for episode... One hundred and one. Uh, so there we go. We are nearly at the end of the show, and uh, congratulations if you got those at home. Thank you very much. Uh, so Cardiff City on Wednesday, you can watch on Sky Sports Red Button, but because it's a Red Button match, it's not it's not counted as a televised match. So you can also watch it on AFCB TV. Um, of course, on Sky you won't get the dulcet tones of Chris Temple and John Williams uh but on sky you will get a commentator of some kind um on now tv it's worth checking on the tuesday the match before to see whether your now tv app will have the extra bonus games because some platforms do have them and others don't it's a bit confusing um on the tuesday there are a load of championship games with some red buttons ones, so do check that out but cardiff and also bristol city the week after are on the sky sports red button so you don't have to pay afcb tv for that but i'm sure um, as someone that wants to uh have the best done for the club maybe you should pay the 10 pounds but anyway um that is an option that uh, you can choose later on so guys thank you so much for coming on mr sean barker appreciate it mate
2: thank you love you to be on happy birthday back at the net
1: jeff as ever thank you very much mate
3: uh, thank you. Did you get a telegram from the Queen for this then?
1: I <laughs> I, th- I think it's got to be there somewhere. Um, I think there's a few PPI leaflets over there, but I'll have a look under that. Yeah, you never know. Uh, and Neil Dawson, thank you as ever for coming on the show, mate.
0: No, no thank you. Please tell me you're going to call the next episode Room 101.
1: <laughs> you
0: need to be oh, a scriptwriter. That's
1: good, Neil. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, Em. Um... so thank you so much for tuning into this podcast remember if you want to get involved you can buy us a coffee uh, by financially contributing to what we do but also if you can't do that what be handy is if you could leave us a review on your podcast app as well your support is much appreciated if you want to do so just go to afcb podcast forward slash coffee Now our next podcast is going to be out next Monday where we'll be covering the Cardiff game but also Watford next week as well. But make sure you stay tuned onto YouTube where you can view the latest content including the post-match free-for-alls, the home of some very interesting and raw final whistle opinion. Thank you for all the live comments that have come in uh, during the show. Really appreciate it. And, you know, at this point I just want to say over the last year but also previously before that as well, thank you to everyone that's liked our videos subscribed who've given ideas who've emailed us criticized us blocked us on twitter uh, sent me a message of on of support over whatsapp or whatever shared posts retweeted talked about us and more as jeff said over the last year we've somehow managed to be featured in and I'm going to hold my breath here. Wave 105, Radio Solent, uh, BBC Five Live, Love Sport, Talk Sport, Talk Sport Two, Sky Sports, ITV, South today Premier League Productions, uh, New York Times, Four Four Two Magazine, and even randomly, the Portsmouth News, the Newcastle Evening Chronicle, and the Express and Star in Wolverhampton. Weird. I don't. I don't know where this is going with back of that. But uh, whilst I. And fronting it this is yours so uh, if you want to get involved uh, even to present and take some of the burden off me give me a shout and I uh, will certainly get talking until then though many thanks for your positive comments and this has been Back of the Net the AFC Bournemouth podcast Richie.
0: Podcast Network.